wrong. You got to reconnect your social platforms once in a while, but um, yeah, I'm super happy with now. I didn't do all the setup. I recommend that most, uh, it was easy when I did back in the day, but I wish more entrepreneurs um, and visionaries would realize their power of delegations, right? Inspiring team members. Uh, you must be, you must be an EOS fanboy, I think. Which one? EOS. Elon Musk. EOS. Oh, EOS. Operating system. Uh, I'm a, you know, I don't know how much I, I, when I, when I finally learned that in order to play basketball, you have to love the workouts like LeBron James, you know, like, and when I see, I feel bad for business owners that stay stuck in the, Oh, I hate doing X, Y, or Z. And it's like, well, if you hate doing layup drills and you hate working out, then you're actually probably not going to make it in that career. And the same I is true. I started my business right after the first time I ever went through strategic coach and did unique ability. Mm-hmm. And like, I really pulled that in. When I started my business, I was like, the whole point of me starting my own business is to be 100% focused in unique ability. Nice. Are there days when I do things that maybe aren't 100% of that? Of course. Yeah. But every day I just work more and more to be like, no, somebody else should do this. No, somebody else should do this. Yep. It's not me. For sure. Well, and for the younger people too, it's like when you get into sales, for instance, right? You don't you don't necessarily love sales, you know, or love the idea of that, especially if you come from like, oh, I was a musician in high school or I played basketball in high school. There's an identity crisis that kind of occurs, um, you know, before you usually recognize like, oh, wow, what if I dedicated myself to this the same way I dedicated myself to other passions and your passions can evolve because we're humans and we're adaptable and, and we can learn to love different things. But Megan, what, what would you say your three favorite resources are um, book, book wise, movie wise, your call? Oh, so um, in terms of like resources, there's a book called Traction. That's kind of the, the kicking off point to getting started nice. with EOS. And um, that is like a supreme tool for entrepreneurs and visionaries um, that are really looking to get started. And then there's this one that's actually right next to me right now, the Team Success Handbook by Shannon Waller. Um, This is just all about strategies for making your entrepreneurial team more productive. Um, And then honestly, just self shout out, uh, I wrote the MSP Sales Playbook, which is all sales for MSPs exclusively. And I'd never seen one quite that focused. And so that's a huge resource if you're an MSP sales. I love the way you positioned your resource and I wish more individuals in the, in the entrepreneur space that had resources like that were able to be that bold, that authentic and that humble as well about, about the quality and value of the resource. Um, I'd say the exact same thing about the power marketing funnel um, as well as the Academy of first class businesses. So Way to own your stuff. Way to own the value you put into that. Let's dive into a little bit of a break. And then when we come back, I'll do a proper introduction for you, Megan. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up? And welcome into another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. Today, we're going to be talking to Megan Killian, who has over 500, has sold over 550 million in new B2B tech revenue. And she does so with 
with with a highly ethical high ethic high ethic approach to sales man i butchered that didn't i um point being we want to make sure that we are ethical in what we do and what we represent and we're going to be talking about how to do sales from that standpoint and why it drives more revenues when that's your approach um and we'll probably be talking as well about some of the corners that are cut or that we cut without even realizing it that kind of ruin our authenticity and and, and ethics of sales so we all do it. None of us, none of us are perfect on this world. So let's not pretend we are. Um, big shout out to Megan as well for connecting her audience live. Appreciate you guys. Definitely drop some comments, um, you know, and, and let us know if there's a certain question you want us to go over. But we are very much going to be diving into her vision. Now, before I bring Megan on stage, I want to talk about these sponsors a little bit, people who are very important to my life. Uh, the Wellness Shop 365 with Sean Lechuga. Um, Sean is a growing entrepreneur, um, just like myself, just like Megan, just like um, you know most people out there. And what I love is his integrative nutrition and health approach focuses on a holistic approach to wellness that I hadn't seen before. Uh, this 365 Harmony of Life Wheel Assessment really caught my attention. He's looking at what is your joy and spirituality and creativity look like? What about your career? What about your home environment? What about your relationships and your social life? Um, I've heard of holistic wellness, but I've never seen somebody really dive that deep into the core of, of wellness. So I'm looking forward to seeing his vision continue to thrive and move to fruition. For those of you who don't know, he's also a part of the Vision Pros Live process now. Um, and he, you might meet him uh, in a pre-show. But I definitely take a look at what he's got going on, um, You know, support the development of what he's up to. And we'll now move on to Melissa Gray of The Lost Spot. Um, the Lost Spot was, I, I'll be honest, when I first had the opportunity to host her, uh, Melissa on my show, I, I was like, I don't want to host an attorney, um, you know, on my vision show. Like, you know, these people are usually fairly pretentious. They're kind of stuck up. They're rude in your face. Exact opposite experience with Melissa Gray. She's a high nurture individual who understands that legal does not have to be complicated, which is really nice because in business ownership, there are complications to it and you do need protections. But 99% of the business owners I've talked to, maybe that's not fair. Maybe 95% don't have legal counsel thought through. And that becomes very dangerous and scary once you receive your first trademark lawsuit um, or a cease and desist or a demand letter or you've got a worker's comp situation. There's so many different things where Apple patents is your software like they did with mine at Restaurant Connect. Um, like, whoa, like what do you do in those scenarios? Uh, it's very helpful to have somebody by your side who you trust versus going and finding representation at the last minute, which Megan would also tell you, if you're in the last minute, supply and demand puts you in a position to where you end up often paying a lot more than you should for the services that had they been well thought out, have we found that person who could protect us and help us, um, we'd probably be in a better position to uh, make a wise decision. Lastly, there's a water project. There's millions of people who do not have access to clean drinking water um, like I'm so blessed with every day. Um, and it it's something that I don't ever want to forget. Um, so if you have the opportunity to get back to the water project and support one of these communities, I love that they show us the outcome of whatever we contribute to. You get to see exactly what they build and how their life has changed. If you don't have the ability to give back, then my request would be that you, uh, I hope that you're inspired to share this with other people because you never know, you might be the one who connects the dots for the person who is gonna be able to give back 10,000, 100,000, maybe beyond, and the generational impact that we can have by bringing clean and safe drinking water to entire communities um, is absolutely something worth pondering and meditating on. 
So without further ado, Megan Killian, welcome to First Class Business and Vision Pros Live. We're so excited to have you here. Great to be here, Jackson. Let's dive into your vision for those you serve. Um, what is it that you hope that, uh, what is it that you see on the horizon for those that you serve? So our vision is to scale 100 MSPs revenue. Um, and it really comes down to taking them where they want to be. As entrepreneurs, we know that like the goal of having a business, it varies, right? They could be trying to exit, maybe do some M&A. They want to be acquired. Um, that's their retirement plan. Maybe they want to leave a legacy, leave it behind for their kids. Maybe they want to build a lifestyle business. They want more time to spend with their families. They want to be working on their business, not in it. But most frequently, I'm helping companies that are around the one to $2.5 million a year mark get to $5 million. Um, I kind of tap out at $10 million, where I'm like, the stuff that I used to get you to here is no longer the scalable solutions. You need, you need somebody else um, who's more about uh, scaling things that you're already doing, not implementing new things. Excellent. Um, well, 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 then, way to know the thresholds um, you know, of, of where you're most effective. Um, it's, uh, it's a really good sign of somebody who's an expert at what they do. Um, so I appreciate you, you saying that you mentioned an acronym people may not be familiar with, and I believe it was MSPs. Do you want to describe that a little bit? Yeah. So MSPs are managed service providers mm -hmm. and, um, my agency, my consultancy, we have from our fruition only really served B2B technology companies. But over the course of the last year, we've really, um, not even so much on purpose, gotten really niched down into the managed service provider community, which is sort of just outsourced IT. Mm -hmm. You're All a small right. business. You can't afford $120,000 a year IT director. Have yeah. somebody do it for you. That's excellent. Um, it's good to know, too, for just the, the general audience here so that if you, if you know an IT firm that's struggling or you have, if you have an IT firm that is working with you, my, my I would bet against them. Meaning I would bet that they're probably struggling to get sales and they're struggling to win. Well, what happens when they go out of business, right? So if you can connect Megan to that person and, you know, with enough of an endorsement or say, hey, come at least go watch the show and see what she does, that would be an effective way to help make sure that your IT team doesn't fall apart and go bankrupt. Yeah. Historically, IT support companies are terrible at sales. They really understand tech, but that brain that really understands tech has a hard time with sales and marketing. Historically, human beings suck at it, <laughs> all of us. Um, you know, and if we look, and, and again, let's go to the stats on that. 96% of businesses fell within 10 years. That's not something we should hide from. That's something we should be aware of. We become self-aware of our realities. It becomes easier to move forward. And that means that 4% of businesses, I used to th say 4% of businesses win. 4% survive. And after and 10 years, what, they're still hanging one? on. That's that no one, 10, you're, you're 10, according okay. to, according to SBA.gov, it's, it's your 10. Um, and, but again, the, the starting phase two and fizzling out that it's still not pretty. Um, but we're talking about massive, massive failures, um, you oh, know, yeah. as an economy for businesses. So it's not just it that's limited. We, we all struggle with our ability to properly and ethically sell. And until we start paying attention, that's probably the thing that I see, uh, people say, oh, I know how to do that. Um, maybe, um, you know, let's take a deeper dive and, and see what can we learn as leaders to become better. So what's your vision for you? Um, so for me, it's all about impact. 
I have spent the early part of my career as a kingmaker, and I'm talking helping people buy their third private jets. And um, I sort of had like my man on the mountain moment where I was like, this is not what I want to be doing. Um, and I wasn't sleeping well at night. I was in big tech and I didn't love what I did. And so now like my vision is to help scale those MSPs and specifically to hook my wagon to and partner with businesses that care about the same things I do. So those ethical businesses that are giving back to their local communities. Because when I go and I scale an MSP's revenue, it's not just the owner that's benefiting. He's going to go hire new techs. He's going to go hire new admins. Um, and so that impact happens in that community as well as my own. The other side of it is that my, my, my vision is to be the hand up that I received. So I was a homeless single mother. Um, I was a teenage mother and sales changed my life. Um, I now own two homes. I make multi six figures and have for a long time. Um, and I want more women to get into B2B tech sales. And I want more marginalized people to be able to get into sales and to be able to get into tech. And so like the agency's vision, vision and my vision are, are hand in hand. We want to scale revenue for businesses while elevating marginalized talent. That's a beautiful vision. I got to ask, um, you mentioned giving back locally. Do you hate my water project or is it okay that we support the one that's across the world? No, it's <laughs> absolutely teasing. fine. To, like that's marginalized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we sometimes hire local. Like I have a lot of people from Orlando. I have people from a lot in New England because that's where I come from. But we also mm-hmm. hire out of Brazil. Um, and I consider wow. them to be marginalized as well because they wouldn't have access to the opportunities to build their English the way that they do by working yeah. for me. Fala português? Do you speak do you speak Portuguese? A little bit. Like I know how to say obrigada. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I had a Portuguese au pair too. I mean, she was Brazilian, but she spoke ah. Portuguese. And I tried so hard to learn, but I kept mixing. And you speak Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I kept mixing my Portuguese and my Spanish. Oh yeah. Those, it's those very romance similar. languages. Yeah, very similar languages. Well, thank you. And I, I got to clarify too. I said my the water project. The water project is not mine. Um, you know, I just I really love it, and so I feel like I belong to it. Um, but it does not belong to me. Um, let's dive into. I think into... we all agree that everybody should have access to clean water. Just yeah, it's, it's like, hard not period. to agree with that, right? Well said. Um, so, what's your what's the start of the dark subject? What's your worst leadership experience ever? So for me, the worst leadership experience uh, was recurrent in in my career, and it's just working for narcissists. Um, yeah. In the tech industry, particularly when uh, companies are successful, owners and the people they surround themselves with tend to really believe that they are God's gift to this earth. <laughs> um, and I disagree. And I, I actually have gone through therapy to get over the trauma I experienced working for narcissists. And you kind of tend to think like narcissistic abuse is specific to uh, being in like a romantic relationship with somebody. But it happens in business all the time with like gaslighting and love bombing. Always when I'm hired by these people, I am the best, most favored person in the world and I can produce millions of dollars in revenue. And as soon as I disagree with them and call them out on like 
probably the most specific example I can give, I still have to be a little bit general because I can't call people out, um, is pushing DEI initiatives internally and being like, hey, when I look around this room, I don't see any skin tone variation. I'm the only woman in the room. We need to do something about that, especially as more millennials are becoming business decision makers and, and they buy based on values. Um, and just the amount of torture I went through after that, where I was treated like an enemy um, to the entire company and told that I was overly emotional and didn't understand business. Um, that's the worst for me is, is when I bring empathy to the table and I'm just met, met with a garbage reaction because people feel attacked. And I tend to believe that I approach these things with tact. Like I'm never just like, you're bad for being a cis hetero white man. Cause you're not, you were born that way, the same way as I was born the way that I am and someone else, like you don't choose the skin you're born in. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with being who you are. But when you look around a room and everyone looks like you, maybe you should ask yourself why that is. Have you built yourself an echo chamber on purpose? Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's I think it's a, an important topic. Um, you know, and it's an important topic. It's an important. There's an important debate within. There's also a really strong and importance for validation of what you said. Um, you know, and like the, it sucks to be um, in a relation in a toxic relationship of. And we all have our own toxicities. Um, you know, like I certainly have my toxic natures, um, you know, and, and anytime I'm hangry, you know, watch out, um, you know, anytime I didn't get enough sleep, you know, I might wake up as a grizzly bear. Um, you know, like there's, there's realities that I face. Um, there's also the challenge of, and I, and I like that you use the term, you know, they think that they're God's gift to the world. Um, it's tough because one one side may see that as like, okay, and, and again, I'm not talking about the true narcissist, right? I'm not talking about the one who says, I'm God's only gift to the world, right? right. I'm better than everybody else, right? That's a different level. But I personally believe that you are God's gift to the world and that the people who are listening right now are. Um, and there's some people who don't, you know, who'd be like, whoa, like he's love bombing now, you know, he's, he's, he's really just trying to manipulate her into whatever. What are your thoughts on that? I would, I'd would be very curious. No, I think so. I'm not like a, I'm not Christian, so I can't really specifically say it's, it's God's gift, sense. but like the whole concept of like higher power and spirituality, I believe everyone is a gift and oh. that there's something to learn from every single person that you meet. Um, I spent my early years, like my, my teenage years, I was a special Olympics coach. We ran a therapeutic riding clinic in my backyard. And, um, you, you can learn some of life's biggest, most important lessons from people who may not even be verbal. You know, like I was taught so much patience, so much grace, what it means to accept help. Um, so much gratitude in, in those situations um taught empathy taught what unconditional love looks like how you can communicate non-verbally the the base concepts of behavioral psychology that have built my entire career um i've never met someone i didn't learn from whether it was i don't want to be that or that is what i want to emulate um so yeah i mean i agree with you 100 percent that 
that everybody has their own gifts and has something to share with the world that's worth saying. Um, and I want to hear as many stories as I can. I love that. <clears throat> There's so much depth to this conversation right now. Um, that this, I think, I think is beneficial to the world at large. Um, that I'm, I'm like sticking with this topic. Um, the one of my theories. This is a theory. I got. There's no proof behind it. Um, but one of my theories of recently that I've tapped into is like, what if? I think I believe my hypothesis that the world, if the world went silent, meaning if there was no more language and 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 verbal communication, I think within a matter of four to six weeks, we would understand each other better than we well, do. I speak ASL, so I'd be okay. <laughs> and I think even if that was taken away, right? And I'm not saying we should take it away. I'm not trying to control. I'm just theorizing there's, you know, there's studies that show that our body language, our cadence, our tone, the what we're not saying speaks far louder than what we are often saying. Yeah, I mean, I think those things transcend even humanity, right? So growing up, like I said, I had a therapeutic riding clinic in my backyard. I grew up with a horse and I communicated better with her yeah. um, than I do anybody in my whole life. She knew exactly how I felt immediately. As soon as I walked into the barn, she knew whether she was getting snuggles or we were going for a run, you know? Um, yeah. And like dogs are like that too and cats. And there's so much that we yeah. communicate without even consciously being aware that we're communicating it. Um, and I think like I'm autistic, so I tend to be like extra sensitive to all the nonverbal cues because I had to very consciously learn them. Like I have playbooks right. running in my head all the time for social situations. And I'm consciously looking at like body language as a cue because I don't want to miss it because so much of my childhood was being penalized for missing cues. Um, and so, yeah, I agree completely. If we lost our access to, to language and even like, we have a habit in my house where we just turn our voices off, like turn your voice off. Um, and a lot of that is for myself, for my own overstimulation, mm -hmm. but it's also just really good for us to work on how we communicate and work as a team without the spoken word. All of this, <clears throat> all of this relates to sales. Oh, yeah. All of this is a, the power and dynamic of influence, um, you know, and, and it's so while, while that scenario could force the issue, I think the greater opportunity as leaders is, are we willing to experiment and, and try, um, you know, to see what would it be like if I stopped sharing everything on social media? Oh, what would it be like if I, um, you know, gave people a little bit of space? And, and decency and courtesy when they show up late. What, that's, what would sales be like? is the, the AB, yeah. that's sales all day long is the AB testing, tonality. Yeah. What's the difference between when I cold call uh, in the morning versus the evening? What's the difference when I cold call and I smile or I yeah. don't? Um, what's the difference when I'm talking to a prospect and instead of speaking, I ask questions and I let them talk. Right. And I think a lot, so many sales, but we learned so much during COVID when we lost access to in-person interactions about just how important body language was to sales. Mm. Because you only have so much context 
when all you have is voice or all you have is the written word or even even in a zoom like i'm only seeing this much of you so yeah you're smiling up here but i have no idea you could be losing your mind underneath like fidgeting yeah like you could be really uncomfortable right now and i wouldn't necessarily know that uh because i think we're all pretty practiced at controlling our faces at this point yeah that's well said. Um, it was a really interesting dynamic for COVID because then you also have people masked up with <laughs> earpods in with sunglasses with hoodies on. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa, what do I have to work with here? Are we um, even people anymore? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to know how to how to talk to somebody in that scenario, or do you even right? So let's talk about your best leadership experience. What does that look like? Oh, God, uh, there's so many, but it's every single time that someone comes and tells me that I made impact on, on their life, right? So, like, I have a partner named Max um, who does, like, some of our technical SEO stuff. And when he called me and told me that he was going to buy his first house because of work that we had done together and sales that I had brought to him, like, that was incredible. Um, landing... Last year, we had a really we had a really rough situation where our two largest key clients had to cancel at the same time because they had internal cancellations that meant we were losing our contracts, and I had to fire a lot of people. Um, but being able to take my creative director, who had never worked outside of retail before, and placed her in a social media manager role where she was making more money than she ever had before, um, and being able to take my copywriters and place them internally at orgs where once again, they were making more money than they ever had before. And having like my, this week I had one of my SDRs call me in tears because of just how much it has changed her life for me to be positive with her. Um, that I breathe positivity into her. And so she went and got her motorcycle certification. Um, it's, it's essentially like licensing for motorcycles. I don't understand it, but she was like, I never would have had the confidence to do this if it weren't for you and, and her romantic partner um, just like gassing me up all the time and telling me how great I am. So that there's never anything better than that. I don't care how much money we make. I don't care about, I just care about being able to impact people's lives and make change. So the, those are the best leadership experiences is when someone that you have managed or led tells you that it matters. That's awesome. If uh, this is your last opportunity to share a powerful lesson with other visionaries, they can learn from your experience. What would the powerful lesson be? Lead with empathy before anything else. I think it's a constant debate um, in, in, in visionary circles and in entrepreneurial circles is like, what's the most important leadership skill? And, you know, we can talk about motivation and communication and all of those things. But ultimately for me, it's, it's empathy, it's kindness, you know, care, just care. When you care about your business, the service you deliver to your clients and the people who work for you, that for me is the biggest indicator of success. Care about those three things and everything else follows it. Yeah. Uh, Chip Conley in the book Peak, uh, highlights a really great framework for how one can do that with utilizing Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, to kind of systematize it for those who don't really pick it up. I would read uh, 
Ken Blanchard's one minute manager and raving fans first. Um, mm -hmm. But Peak takes those concepts to an entirely new level. That's that uh, was very helpful for helping me realize how to recognize the needs of those around me. You know, sometimes we care, but we don't know what to do with the fact that we care. And the, they say the path to hell is paved with good intentions. So mm -hmm. the opposite path um, being one where <clears throat> we're only intentful to do good, but we've learned how to actually um, be good to others and, and, and help people. So we're going to do a lot of us right never had good models for it too, right? Like yeah. if you work in the corporate world, you had nothing but bad examples of what uh, caring <laughs> looks like and feels like. Yeah. I think a lot of what I learned was just like, I, I don't want it. I don't want my company to, ev to ever feel this way. Yeah. We're habitual creatures for sure. I mean, COVID proved that um, as well, like with, with all the masking up. Um, and again, neither here nor there. I'm not here to judge that. I'm just, we are, we, you know, we tend to conform to our surroundings. Um, and so it's, it's also great when we do put ourselves in a room with people who are living life the way that, you know, we, we want to live our lives. Um, we do have more choice over that. And sometimes we give ourselves credit for when we live in a first world country, especially. Um, so with that said, we're going to dive in and talk about ethical sales and why we believe it drives more revenues. Um, you know, if, if people can make the shift and I guess my first question for you is, can somebody shift gears from unethical sales to ethical sales? Is that a, is that a learned skill or is it just something you're born with? They can absolutely shift gears. I think a lot of the things that we do that are unethical are accidental. I agree. Absolutely. I know people out there that are lying on purpose. They know their product is crap sure. and they're selling it anyways. Um, but I think most salespeople are conscious that they, they want to be ethical. They want to be good because here's the thing about being a salesperson, right? Is that you're probably not going to work at the same company forever. You're going to build a personal reputation. If you do that well, you will forever have a book of business. You will never not be able to make commissions. I have people who buy from me now who bought from me when I was working at Verizon selling cell phones, you know, who have literally followed me from company yeah. to company to company and bought what I sold. Um, and so when, when done well, like ethical sales, it's just so obvious, like your personal brand is everything in sales. When you become someone who's not trustworthy, you burn a bridge. And if you burn enough bridges, then they tell everybody else that you're a bridge burner. Um, so, but, but it's absolutely can be learned. And I think the learning just comes a lot from reflection and asking yourself if things are ethical. And this has been an ongoing process for me because there are a lot of things that I was taught through sales training um, that, that I've been like, I don't know, is that, is that ethical? And there are things I ask myself every single day. Yeah. Is this thing I'm doing ethical? Is using chat GPT ethical? Um, is having like a, a ghost profile on LinkedIn ethical for times when I don't want to use my own name? Um, is cold calling ethical at all? Right. Is texting right? ethical? Correct. Is it, is web scraping ethical? You know, like there's some things that are very, very obvious. And those are the things that I tend to coach on more is like, don't lie, tell the truth, under promise, over deliver, do what you say you'll do, say what you'll do, you know, like these things. 
Um, and that is very coachable. Mm -hmm. The other stuff I think like ethics is an ongoing question. Yeah. We, there are so many philosophers out there asking the question, like, what is ethics? What does it mean to be ethical? And it's a forever ongoing equation that we're trying to figure out. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like, how does your gut feel? Right. And like, mm -hmm. what do other people say about you when you're not in the room? And what do you want them to say? And how do you want people to feel after their interactions with you and about you and about your brand? Like those to, to me, that's ethical sales, ethical marketing. It's all wrapped up in how we make other people feel and how we carry that with us. Mm -hmm. And so much of that just kind of all, it all kind of comes back to like knowing, know your why. Why are you here? Because I don't think anybody started their business like, well, okay, some people did. But most people do not start their businesses like, I just want to go out there and rip off as many people as I can. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not yeah. when I talk and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs um, it, when I'm consulting and about scaling their revenue and, and none of them are ever like, we just, we just want to rip people off and be done with it. Yep. No, they're like, we want, we have a good product. We deliver on our promises and we just want more people to know that. Yep. And that's that's kind of like that that core piece of, of ethical sales. So it can absolutely be taught. Um, sometimes there is some unteaching that has yeah. to happen first. Um, sometimes that's funny. <laughs> I think for me, I'm constantly unteaching. That's like my role. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think it's a lot of relearning. It's relearning the things um, that that we thought were true, especially if you've ever been to corporate sales training. I had to unlearn a lot yeah. um, in the pursuit of ethical sales because. Yep. Like, well, you mentioned it. We're 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 influenced by those previous leaders, right? So we're not. When I'm when I'm saying when you're untraining somebody, you're not changing who they are but you're giving them the opportunity to get back towards their core identity that you know is, you know, you're hearing them not be them. I was just going to say what I'm asking them to do is to embrace their authentic self. Yes. So many people come to me where they have been templatized and processized to death. Well said. I love that. <laughs> where they're just like, this is the script. This is the playbook. This is how I win. It's proven. They told me it was proven. So if I just keep, if I keep doing this, if I make more dials, if I send more emails, but I do it exactly this way, then eventually I will win. And in reality, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's reverse engineer all of that. Who are you? What are you good at? And I, I, I frequently ask people, like, when you go to a party and you were invited, the host is somewhere in the house, but they're not the one that answers the door. And you walk in that party. What's your gut instinct? What do you want to go do? Say hi to the host. Yeah, some people want to go find the host. Some people are like, yeah, go check out the food table. Yeah. Other people are like, oh, I'll just talk to the person who let me in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go mingle. Other people are like, I'll go see if I can find someone else I know at the party. Right. It very much depends on you. People are different. Mm -hmm. And so that answer tells me a lot about the personality. And like, 
introverts can be great in the context hosts. as well, right? Of the of the host, right? So when you propose the idea of that party, um, my imagination might go to, oh, it was my best friend who's at that party, um, right? Or my imagination might go, oh, I'm going to a party with Megan, but I don't know anybody there, and I'm I'm not sure if I'm welcome in this house yet or not, right? So even us, like every different opportunity we come across, we're going to have a unique, you know, and what if the person that answers the door is super attractive and you're single, you know, like maybe you don't want to talk to anybody else. You just say, Hey, let's go on a date instead. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that could happen. Tells me that you like to think about every possible scenario. I love possible scenarios. So I'd be like, you know what you're great at is the market research portion of sales. Mm -hmm. And I want you to lean into that, but I want you to limit it. So set a timer for your research, because if you don't, you're going to get dragged down the rabbit hole a lot and end up spending 60 minutes researching a company. And then you're going to go to call their number and it's not going to work or their email is going to bounce back. And that's going to suck. Maybe. So and that tells like, me about you that you are very self-assured um, and to the degree where you'll tell people what they need to do. And that's OK. Um, in yeah, order no, 100%. Those realities. So um, that's like if you were my salesperson, right? Like if I was right. sales coaching you your response would tell me enough about yourself that I'd be like, okay, let's start talking about these are going to be your strengths. That's the brilliance of two self-assured people coming together though, and respecting yeah. each other's space. Whereas, you know, it's funny because some people would be like, well, wait a second, Megan, you're just arguing. You're not, you're not listening. You're not hearing me. You know, you're not, you're not respecting. Our, no, we're, we're learning to communicate with each other. There is a healthy dialogue when we don't fear healthy conflict. Right. Yeah, so I mean, that's what sales that's, is all about too. <laughs> that's part of sales too, right? Is like, okay. there's, there's a dialogue that's going to happen. And I think people, there's this whole concept in sales, right? That's overcoming objections. Mm -hmm. I throw that out completely. Really interesting. I believe in diffusing anxieties mm -hmm. because first of all, if I've done my job, right, we shouldn't be a, coming into objections in the final hour, right? So when objections, right. uh, when it really is framed as an objection is when you're trying to close something, like you're trying to push them to do a behavior and they're like, no, I don't want to do the behavior. Like whether that's, I'm trying to close you on meeting with me or I'm trying to close you on signing a contract, whatever. If I do my job well, I should be the one qualifying you out before we get to an objection anyways. So diffusing what? Anxieties. Anxieties. I like that. And sometimes I call it diffusing objections because, you know, SEO needs me to use the word objection. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you can use SEO by constantly going out against overcoming objections. Yeah, um, and calling it this, like diffusing anxieties versus overcoming mm -hmm. objections. And so if I've, let's just like, we're assuming that I did my job right. And I qualified out the people who weren't really interested, who were going to object. Then really what's going to happen through the sales process is you as the buyer would bring to me your anxieties, your questions, your, your worries ab about what can happen next. And so then it's my job to diffuse that yep. however possible. Um, and that's where like a lot of conflict can happen in mm -hmm. sales, especially when the most one of the most important things as a salesperson is to disconnect from the outcome right like i need yep. to detach myself from the potential outcome of this interaction right and not take it personally 
there's there's this like messaging that floats around in the sales space all the time about like people buy from people they like. <laughs> kind of depends people, on the sell. People <laughs> tend to not buy from people they don't like. Right. But they don't just automatically buy from people because they like them. Someone can like me a whole lot, but have no need for what I do. Right. Um, and and so like detaching myself from the outcome and realizing that it's not personal, and then then it, it decreases the likelihood of conflict, even though like I'm an extremely opinionated person and I'm a very confident person. When someone doesn't want to buy for me, that's still okay. As long as for me, right, I go through a checklist in my head where I'm like, did I do everything right? Hi, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> um, did I do the things that I needed to do? And if I did, then great. That person wasn't a good fit for us. Or maybe I made a mistake and that's also okay because I'm going to learn from that mistake and I'm going to work on doing it better next time. And sometimes the mistake is even, I let this conversation go on too long. <laughs> right? Like you Absolutely. were never, you you never going to buy from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of opportunities there. Uh, sales is, you know, influence, um, you know, in, in a lot of respects, um, the ability to help people see either what I, I think unethical sales is when you're attached at all to the outcome for your own selfish needs. That's why, that's why I believe in the same concept of disattach, but I do believe in it to the point of we're disattached because if you're attached to the cell, you're not doing it for the person that you're serving. So my number one rule is, is do what's best for the person that I serve. Um, which means I can't go into this with preconceived notions of what I want and be authentically serving that individual. Eli Wilde talks about <clears throat> the 10 clarities of of cells and how um you know what what it what systems exist so i would agree with this diffusing anxieties aspect i love it it's also what i believe in from my team standpoint of things that they need to do and you're 100 right that 99.9 percent .9 of the time if you get to the finish line and they're not able to move forward it's usually because something was overlooked that should have been talked about or a question could have been asked the <clears throat> biggest clarity that i think um still can become an objection is trust though. Um, and it depends. Am I buying a lollipop from you for 25 cents? You know, or in the case of my business, are people bringing us in to build the infrastructure for their entire vision for their legacy? That's a much deeper conversation, much deeper level of commitment. There are hundreds and thousands of realities people may want to and need to consider before they decide like, Oh, I'm going to do this or buy a luxury home. You're going to have more objections overcome more. And when I say objections overcome more diffusing to do throughout the process to make sure people know they're safe, you know, in, in your hands. Oh, hundred percent. Like that building trust, building rapport is huge. And I, you, I'm sure you're familiar with BANT, right? Budget authority need timeline. Nope. I don't, I don't do a lot of acronyms. Apparently you okay. named three that <clears throat> I'm like, they go in and out of my head, but I, I, I you know, go ahead. So, I get what you're talking about now. Bant is a framework from IBM from like way back at the very beginning of tech sales, like began and Bant became a thing. <clears throat> Budget authority need timeline. That's what you have to qualify to make sure that someone should even be buying from you. Right. That's, that's our qualification criteria. Um, 
not specifically ours, but like the, the overall world to sort yeah, of it's agree. A, it's on. a right. It's like always be closing or the frameworks <laughs> that expand themselves has their own framework. Bank yeah, has their medic. methodology, the, their Kool-Aid that they drink too. All these tactics, right? Bant is a tactic. Go ahead. Yeah. So I talk about banter <laughs> being budget, authority, need, timeline, and risk. Mm. Being aware of how much risk you're asking someone to take and just how risky it really is for them. So in the case of like ripping and replacing someone's tech support, you know, whether it's an internal company or we're trying to bring in some, they're already outsourcing, we're trying to bring in a new company to replace them. There's some pretty big risk associated with changing the technical infrastructure of my business. We all rely on it. Like what happens if the phone doesn't work and the internet doesn't work? That's a we're not making any money for most businesses today. And similarly, like if I'm doing an entire brand build for somebody that's including like vision, mission, branding, their purpose, um, that's a big risk to take, not just on the side of how much money I'm asking them to spend, but also what if I do a bad job and, and they're confidently taking bad messaging to market? You know, that's that's big risk versus, um, you know, if you come from like a lot of my clients come from a SaaS background where they're selling software and sometimes there's risk, but it's like throwing away money risk. So if you're asking an enterprise company like Disney to throw away 20K, that's that's actually not very risky. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right. Um, and it's in. And. <clears throat> That's a, everybody has a different comfort zone and, and level with thresholds in terms of budget and what they want to do. There's so many angles we can go down this. We are out of time to dive too deep into more concepts, but visionaries who are listening in, I hope that your takeaway on this is to realize that depth, depth matters, principles matter, <clears throat> knowing your philosophies matter, knowing your core values matter. <clears throat> if there's one final thing I would add to this, when it comes to, uh, ethical sales, the best thing you can do as a visionary is learn how to hire ethical sales people. And it may seem simple, like, oh, I'll just put a job description. Yeah, your job description is going to be awful if you do it. Oh, I'm just going to grab a template. You know, that template is going to have no depth to it. Um, oh, I'm just going to do an interview with this. Your interview process is missing. Like, you're, you're, you're got, you need some help on this. Um, so if you gravitate towards Make them that process. You gravitate towards first class business on that process. You gravitate towards um, <clears throat> Sandler Sales Institute on the process or Oracle and learning. There's there's a lot to be learned. And your vision, in order to clarify your vision so that people will want to belong to it, that people will want to invest in it to help you become irresistible at what you do and overcome trust factors, be careful about who it is that, you know, be intentful, who it is you bring in, because I can't tell you how many companies I've seen fail that said, oh, we just hired the number one sales rep from Nike, or we just hired the number one marketer from Airbnb. We just hired the number one person from Cisco and, and beyond, 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 blah, blah, blah. And that's one of the worst things a visionary can do. And it's one of the worst salesperson for a startup environment. Why? I'll tell you, because if you're the best sales rep for Disney, I'm calling you out person who won the award today or this year, you're the fastest paper pusher.
You don't need to sell Disney tickets. I'm buying my tickets whether you want to sell them to me or not, because that's where I'm taking my kiddos for more for our vacation, right? You have very, very little sales skills outside of that incubated environment. And I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying we all have a lot to learn about new scenarios. So part of the ethics is being hungry and willing to learn new things like Megan talked about. You can really break your culture with a bad sales hire too. So if they're oh not checking I've done it many times, Megan. Every single core value, right? Like every single core value. Yes. And let's be honest, like you probably don't have the same culture and values as Amazon or yeah. Nike. Like right. you have your own values and it's more important that your sales hire meets your values than that they've hit quota every single quarter at their last company. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much for that. And uh, yes, anybody who wants to connect further with Megan, we'll have it. We'll have her links in the landing page as well. We'd love to get your book on there as well, Megan, the one you talked about that we got to get into, we got to read. Um, Megan Laird, do you only hire Megan's? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we do have a joke that we only hire women with M names. It's not entirely oh. true, but it's like 60% of the staff. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you again for blessing us with your knowledge. Uh, we wish you the best on, on your continued path. We are one of those strategic partners who's very excited to find out more about, okay, what what type of, of coexistence can exist there? What, what opportunities are we looking at? So we'll explore that. Vision pros or anybody who says, I might have a vision to talk about, be our guest, go to the landing page, um, apply for the process. We're looking for people who you know, have a vision of serving others. And that may be globally like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and uh, Toby Keith and beyond. It may be um, that you have something going on in your local neighborhood that means a lot to people. Uh, we'd love to meet you. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Megan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jackson. Absolutely. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. 